Welcome, everyone, to APS Radio, episode 23. With me today is Tim Spradlin. Good evening to you, Tim. Hey, Brother Jim. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Now, before we dive in, I, I want to kind of, this is going to be a little bit different, but I'm going to ask you and all my listeners and viewers out there to just bear with me. I'm going to go through your bio. <laughs> all right. And, and uh, there's a lot to it here, but there's a reason for all this stuff and you guys and gals just need to trust me. So this, <laughs> where I found this was on the Google machine, but it was the Xenia area chamber of commerce hall of honor class of 2018. So, sounds amazing. It's actually Xenia high school, but I think it's sponsored by the chamber of commerce. Okay. Well, I was um, on their website. So yeah. Xenia um, high school, all of about probably 15, 20 minutes away from me. Yeah, just just a couple minutes down the road for me. So I'm going to go, I'm going to dive into this. But again, there's a reason. So <clears throat> hopefully I'll get through this without a coughing fit. Tim Spradlin was a National Honor Society graduate of Xenia High School, who later earned associate degrees in fire science technology and human resource management. He also earned a bachelor's degree in organizational management at Wilberforce University and attended the master's degree program and pastoral counseling at Ohio Christian University. He has over 35 years experience and numerous certifications relating to firefighting, rescue, law enforcement, and arson investigation. Tim was described as one of those guys every firefighter wants to be. He has served with Xenia City and Xenia Township Fire Department, plus the Greene County Sheriff's Office and State Fire Marshal. He was instrumental, instrumental in response and recovery during the September 2000 F-4 tornado that struck the Xenia area. Tim served with the U.S. Air Force and Air Force Reserve for 30 total years. He served on active duty in support of Operation Enduring Freedom in 2002 and Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2007. Tim was awarded the Bronze Star Medal by the U.S. Army for combat. Merit oh, what's that word? Meritorious. What's that word? Meritorious. Meritorious. Oh. <laughs> oh, shame on me. Uh, served service in Iraq. He has received numerous other military medals, awards, and commendations since 2010. 2010, Tim has worked at Green County Veteran Services and with Veterans of Foreign Wars post 2402 in Xenia. He operates a nonprofit charity using his horses to provide equine therapy, equine therapy for veterans with PTSD. Tim Strat Stradlin. Uh, is truly a patriot. Uh, this last line. I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost done. Tim Spradlin is truly a patriot, a public servant, and a wonderful role model for the youth in our community. So I read all that. There's a lot to it, but I know there's even more to this. I mean, it's not holding other awards, other accommodations, and other jobs that you did. Oh, when when you listen to all that, Tim, I got to ask you, what, what do you think? Because that's an awful lot of things there, a lot of achievements, but I imagine there was a cost with all of this. Uh, listening to it now, it's uh, kind of a, uh, the record and medical diagnosis of my addiction and, uh, and problems in my life that uh, the, uh, the need to be 
significant the need to keep achieving and not really understanding why I was driven to just stay busy constantly and, and keep doing more. Um, even when it didn't involve more money, it was another certificate, another uh, diploma, another badge, another ribbon. And uh, it took a long time and a lot of work and a lot of help from a lot of good people to realize that uh, what they called an addiction to significance and that being busy was a trauma response for so much of my life that I had suppressed and, and not, uh, not mourned or dealt with. So I'm not fond of listening to it, but I listen to it differently now. It's, it's not, it's not proud accomplishments. It's actually, uh, like I said, kind of a diagnosis. When you were working, you know, full-time doing all these different jobs, going to school, how much time do you think in a week you're actually putting towards all these achievements? I looking back between, uh, uh, full-time at the fire department at that time, uh, uh, reserve deputy, still uh, teaching part-time at the fire academy, at the police academy, still in the reserve and not just doing one weekend a month. I did all the act extra active duty I could and volunteered for deployments. I traveled around the country uh, teaching uh, NCO academies, et cetera. I was probably not present in my home for at least 80 hours a week average um, and a lot of nights I was gone even after I left 24s and went to 40 hours at work and uh, the cost of that wasn't obvious at the time and then I can looking back now that my sons are grown and the kids all have children of their own I, I have the opportunity to recognize what that cost was on them and and be a better grandfather than I ever was a father. And, and also try to mentor and advise, especially my sons about the, uh, the value of that time with their kids. It's it, very interesting. Um, and you kind of alluded to this earlier on in this conversation, but doing all this work, it, it, it was an escape for you. Yeah, I didn't necessarily realize it. I mean, and it, but it goes back, um, goes back to high school. Um, when uh, growing up, uh, um, I wanted to you know, get away anywhere but here. Um, and um, uh, I had two uncles who were firefighters, and that's where I got the bug to uh, to be a firefighter, or as we said, a fireman at that time in the late seventies. And so I started volunteering while I was still in high school and then impatient to uh, get my career started. Um, I uh, enlisted in the Air Force as a firefighter while I was still uh, in my senior year on the delayed entry program uh, with the intention to uh, get some training and come back home after a few years and go to work uh, for the fire department. And um, that's what I did. But I immediately... Uh, First off, uh, because the Air Force let me out early, I had a reserve commitment, and that turned into 26 years total reserve duty, uh, because here's another adrenaline-filled, uh, adventure-filled uh, side job, and uh, I, on my job you at the fire department, you had to be a paramedic. That was, uh, that was a requirement, not something I was good at, but I did my best, but I just loved 
anything fire absorbed it. I soaked it up like a sponge. And so from there, I even, even using comp time on my own money, I, I became an instructor and an inspector, an investigator. And then we started doing hazardous materials and I got to be a technician at that. And, and then we uh, started a tech rescue team. And of course I've got to be on that. Uh, uh, and uh, after many years and um, as a, uh, about 15 years, I guess, uh, working fire investigations alongside detectives from the sheriff's office, I uh, got the bug to, to do that also. So when I made deputy chief and went to 40 hours, I decided to uh, go to the police academy. I got reserved GI Bill benefits, community colleges got the school. So I spent uh, all day at the firehouse and then every evening and all day Saturday for six months going to the police academy uh, to get that certification which then led me into arson, you know, the criminal side of fires. And when I was eligible to retire from the local fire department, um, oh, and, and I had taken every stupid promotion test up the line to uh, Lieutenant Captain, Deputy Chief, and finally I was the fire chief. Uh, and then I was, uh, after I came back from my uh, second deployment, uh, I got the chance to go to the state fire marshal's office as chief of the arson bureau which is a police agency in the fire marshal's office and all the confusion that goes with that of, of being cops in a fire world. Um, and as I said, along the way, I, I got three college degrees and I was working on that master's in, in uh, pastoral counseling, uh, looking ahead when I decided that, uh, you know, I really don't need a piece of paper. I've got pieces of paper. What I need is to, uh, use my time for something something uh, less significant. And so at, at the height of my so-called illustrious career, and I've, I've had compliments on that, which I now look back and say that it's, it's not a good thing when you look at the emotional cost and what it cost my family, uh, destroyed my first marriage, um, alienated my ki uh, kids when they were teenagers. But um, I, was, uh, I was chief of the state arson bureau I was still a part-time firefighter. I was a reserve deputy. I was, on, I was as that, I was the tactical medic for the SWAT team. And I was first sergeant of the uh, reserve unit at Wright Pat, the security police squadron. And with all that significance uh, uh, in, in the shadows and the private time, I was miserable. I was uh, fighting PTSD that I was diagnosed with in 2010. And uh, that was the first time I'd gone to get any mental health care or to deal with any of the trauma that I experienced. And what caused that was uh, my youngest son had gone in the army and he deployed to Afghanistan. And that was the trigger that caused my bucket to run over. All the trauma that we experienced both on the street and uh, at war, the stigmatism, I was, I was typical. I stuffed it all, I denied it, I, I didn't feel it. And that was, uh, that was common where I worked. Um, we talk about, you know, the, the first, the worst, um, we didn't use a lot of resources. Uh, we came back to the firehouse and sat at the, at the kitchen table. And if we talked at all, it was black humor. And, um, there was an EAP program, but nobody would use it because they were afraid the chief would find out and no one wants to be labeled or thought of as weak. And, uh, so, at, as all that came to a close and I found myself, uh, retired 
Uh, I got injured in 2007 in a Humvee accident, uh, injured my neck to where I, I could not stay in. And I was, a, I was an E8 and a first sergeant and the top rank you can make is E9. And I was seemingly gonna do that. Everything else had been going great. And when I couldn't, uh, couldn't stay and do that, then uh, retiring from the military side of my career, I was miserable. I felt like I was a failure. I was angry with a side of angry on most of the things in my life. And then a, a few years later, I uh, retired from the civilian career and literally uh, was sitting in a chair in my uh, man cave. I bought an Xbox. I am not an Xbox guy. I got a horse farm to take care of. <laughs> but here I sat and I was on antidepressants and I was uh, uh, having trouble with anger and I was depressed and I was having panic attacks and anxiety. And I was telling nobody about it except my wife. She knew what was going on. And uh, I'd done therapy at the VA for the year that Brian was deployed. But once he was home, I, I dropped out of that. And I also kept that a secret from my employer. I told him I was getting physical therapy for my neck, not that I was getting mental health therapy because of the stigmatism. We're, we're ashamed and we're afraid people are going to judge us. Uh, and you know, in reality, I was injured. I was hurt. And I needed to take care of that and get well. And I didn't for a long time. So one day, my, uh, my wife just looks at me sitting there in the chair. And she... Uh, so now you're all retired. What are you going to do? And, and my answer was, I'm waiting to die. I don't know what to do. I don't have a uniform. I don't have a title. I don't have a purpose. I don't have badges and, and ribbons and crap on my coat that make me significant. And I don't know how to be Tim. Um, so the only thing that really got me out of that chair was I had to go take care of my horses. And uh, we were just trail riders. And uh, we didn't, no show horses, nothing fancy. But when I would go to the barn to take care of my horses, I had terrible horses. They were uh, badly behaved. They didn't want to cooperate with me. Uh, they were hard to catch. Uh, every time I'm getting ready for a trail ride and on the trail ride, it's always disagreements. And I'm thinking, wow, what a problem they are. And uh, what I actually learned is my horses had a problem human. And uh, I'm truly blessed. Uh, the other thing that was a big part of my healing journey was faith. Um, I had uh, lost my faith uh, in God due to some uh, uh, deaths of some children on the street on a call. That another time my uh, trauma bucket got very full. And um, then I had an experience in Iraq that helped restore my faith. But it was still a long journey uh, on, on that side of my life. But um, what I call a God wink, I opened a VFW magazine one day that came in the mail when I was really kind of at my worst. And there was an article about equine therapy for veterans and how that was working. And it piqued my interest because I have horses and I couldn't really understand that they were doing anything for me. And uh, so I, uh, I went uh, over to Licking County and, and, and visited a farm and eventually ended up going to training and getting certified as an equine therapy specialist and decided to start our own nonprofit. And that was the first steps on what became a, a long, but uh, I'm grateful for this healing journey. And we were doing that for about four years and I was doing better, um, cut back on the drinking. 
uh, still taking antidepressants and some of that stuff. And then uh, one one weekend at a veteran service training, uh, Jake Clark from Save a Warrior was a guest speaker in 2017. And I was just fascinated with Save a Warrior. And, and mostly that was just his passion in talking about his mission to help stop the suicide epidemic. And um, so I looked it up. I read everything about it. And I thought, oh, this is cool. Well, then the next thing I hear is they're moving to Ohio. And then I get a phone call from the manager at the other farm. And she says, uh, these people from this thing called Save a Warrior want to talk to us. They're coming to Ohio and they want us to uh, do their equine piece of their uh, curriculum. And I'm like, wow, I know exactly who they are and what that is. So um, Save a Warrior started doing cohorts in Licking County. And I was blessed to be in the first cohort as a so-called witness. And then uh, you quickly find out there's no such thing as a witness if you go through the Save a Warrior experience. And it was just what I personally needed um, to kind of finish my healing or maybe maybe take it to a new level because it was amazing. And uh, that's where I learned and, and where Jake called me Ordinary Tim. You need to learn how to be ordinary. You need to let go of the past and quit worrying about the future and, and live present. And at the same time, through the equine therapy, I'm learning the same qualities of my horses. See, I owned horses for over 20 years, but I didn't really understand them and why they work. And they are amazing animals to, uh, to, to do this work with. I'm probably just rambling on without giving you a chance to ask any of your questions there, you're, brother. But you're covering everything I was going to ask you. Um, you know, but well, I, I do, I have a few follow-ups. I'll hit you with first of all uh when you when you had that xbox and it is kind of funny even the picture you playing with the <laughs> xbox what what game are you playing oh all, I, all the, I got all the call of duty uh, uh medal of honor crap for my sons they're all gamers oh. and so of course you know having been in combat and having some of my troops wounded you know what do i do to rub salt in the wound i play shooter games exactly yeah. how's that working for you <laughs> yeah that probably didn't help did it? uh well, yeah it's just you get stuck and um you know it's it's a version of numbing uh it can become an addiction uh i am grateful i probably never really became addicted to anything except peanut butter and um you know my dad was an alcoholic and uh that was the other big revelation of save a warrior is they're diving into what happens in our childhoods and how it affects our adult experience. So, you know, I was raised by an alcoholic workaholic. Why did I become an, a, a workaholic? Because that's the way I was raised. And then my birth father uh, abandoned us when I was very young. And even though I don't consciously remember it, you know, science tells us that we remember all these negative experiences. So why was I such an overachiever? You know, the therapy I've been through now suggests that maybe I was trying to show this guy I was worth his time. I, look at me. Um, well, why did you walk away? In fact, why did you uh, try to sell me to my dad so you didn't have to pay child support? Because that's what happened. I was in the room for that conversation when I was five. And my dad refused the money and adopted me anyway. But um, you know, all that trauma builds up in there. And we sometimes 
have no idea. And learning that was not a, not a judgment. It was, it was freeing. It was like, now it makes sense. And uh, to be you know, now at peace, medication free, I'm alcohol free. I'm giving back what was given to me. And I've got this wonderful love of horses. And by being well, my horses love me now because that's how they, how they communicate. Uh, that's why they work in the therapy models. They communicate with energy. They have huge hearts. They feel your energy. And uh, they uh, will let you know whether or not you're doing okay. If you're stuck in your head in anger, depression, or whatever, they're not going to want to be with you. And they're not ugly about it. There's no ego. There's no judgment. They're simply herd animals who want to be connected. And uh, so uh, when someone comes out for a session, I, I always like to ask them, you know, how are you today? And they'll tell me, oh, I'm fine. We'll go see the horse. And the horse will tell me if that's true, because the horse can feel what's going on. And then uh, I do the same thing. If I go out and notice, uh, now it's almost immediate. If for some reason, I'm... I've got something on my mind or troubled by something. And, you know, it's not perfect. You, you got to do the work every day. Uh, learning what I learned to save a warrior um, about uh, faith. I, I pray every day. I meditate every day. I try to read something new every day. I practice gratitude every day. I practice forgiveness every day. And I try to serve others in some small way every day and be present. And that's what horses do. Horses experience trauma. They don't carry it like we do. They just let it go. They don't forget it. They just don't carry the emotion with it. And I read a description of trauma. Trauma is a memory with an emotion attached. And I can't go back and change the past. I can't erase the memory, but I don't have to have the emotion with it. I can learn how to let it go. And uh, that's what horses do. And they don't worry about tomorrow. You know, my background screen there is uh, horses doing what they do naturally. They're just hanging out eating. And uh, they're perfectly happy doing that. And if something spooked them, they would react for a moment. And within minutes, they'll go back to eating and forget anything scary ever happened. Not forget. They'll let go and quit worrying about it. Uh, so that's the, uh, that's the basis for the model. And, uh, and it works. It does, in fact. You know, I've had the pleasure of now being up at your farm twice. And uh, it's an amazing experience. I, I want to ask you when you're working and, and, you know, going to school and just working your way up and just, you know, constantly just um, bettering yourself as far as the positions go, was that, was that part of you? Like, did you view that as your identity? I honestly, yeah. Um, and I've, I've heard others say it, but I can remember, uh, uh, telling someone something to the effect that, you know, I don't work at the fire department. I am a firefighter. It's my life, you know, and uh, that's a common thing in both police and fire career fields, I think, is we get so wrapped up to, into it. And it's good to have passion for it as long as it's healthy. And it wasn't healthy with me because, in, especially when I became a chief of a small combination department, and I'm constantly carrying a pager and worrying about having enough staffing. And I'm trying to go on all the calls all the time because I live in the township and I've got to take home buggy. And uh, it, it burned my wife out. It burned me out. But I, you know, I couldn't let go of, of constantly worrying about being responsible. 
and that identity that I have to be there all the time. And uh, I see it in a lot of other people that they, they forget how to have a life outside. I notice a lot of folks and, and something I try to uh, consciously not do, I realize I'm, I'm wearing a fire department cap because I'm back with the fire department as a chaplain. And uh, part of my training and certification through my church, I'm a, a community service chaplain for crisis intervention and, and peer counseling. I, I'm certified by Ohio Mental Health and peer, peer support also. So they just asked me earlier this year to come come back when our chaplain retired. But I realized for years, everywhere I went, even off duty, I had something that said fire department on. I had a cap on, I had a sweatshirt, I had the old job shirt, I had the off duty coat. And that's, cops don't do that so much because they don't always want everybody to know they're cops. But you look at the firefighters, you know, they're constantly wearing that. And in some cases, we've had folks like folks, first responders I've worked with, that they show up wearing that. And then they start telling me about the trauma that they're experiencing from the job. And so I get around to the question, you realize you're wearing that. You're, you're wearing the source, the trauma on your time off. How can you let that go? And, uh, and the same thing, you know, I, I'd have a, an old faded job shirt on and a combat veteran cap on, you know, because, hey, look at me. Don't you know who I think I am? And uh, it, it was, it was, it's part of, the, it's part of the, the, the trauma injury that we do that. And, uh, and I just suggest it to people. Uh, same thing. I had combat veteran license plates, which you can get uh, through Ohio and has, has your bronze star on there. And I had those on my truck. And after Save the Warrior and realizing how much this little stuff from the past I was hanging on to, and maybe it wasn't healthy, but it was just the little things I did to help let go, I think. And so I changed my plates. <laughs> I got regular plates with the Ohio horse logo on it. And part of that goes to horse rescue. So um, tacked them up on the side of the barn. That's pretty cool. I have, I have two, two follow-up questions regarding your identity because i i think it's a i think it's important and i think that i am now in the middle of that right now that's what i'm working through when you retired and when you started really struggling and being depressed that's when you lost your identity is that true build having having all your work and all that as your identity and then that's all of a sudden that's gone. And now what, right? And that's the problem. What I did both work-wise and in the military was everything I identified with that I didn't know how to be just ordinary Tim. And yeah, so when I no longer had all that stuff to wear, that stuff to do, that uh, introduction of you know, who I am, uh, I still, some of the senior guys at the fire department now who were there when I was chief, they still call me chief. And I, I appreciate the honor, but I'm like, I'm, I'm long retired as the chief. I'm back as the chaplain and, and the current chief who I watched grow up. You know, I worked with his dad and his uncle. You know, he asked me to come back specifically because of the work I do now in wellness and resilience and mindfulness uh, because we have so many young people. And so I say, you just call me Tim. Oh, I can't. I say, yes, you can. <laughs> I, I can let go of being called chief. You can stop calling me chief because it's just a job I had once. 
I look at it, uh, try to look at it that way now. I'm not uncomfortable with it. I just, I just, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to hang on to that because some, some of being chief was a really painful experience, especially the politics. And, and uh, I was always angry and in conflict, whether it was here or when I was at the state as a chief. And so it's not all good memories. I got to ask you, what's your identity now? Go, having How? gone through all these experiences, <laughs> all these experiences, and just being older and wiser, how do you view yourself now? Well, Papal is the best title I ever got. And uh, I, uh, I'll have to ask my wife to count how many grandchildren. And we've got a couple of great grands now. So, uh, but um, that, and, and as, as I said, just being ordinary. Um, you know, the folks at Save a Warrior refer to guys like me as wise elders. And, um, in the in the peer recovery training, you have to be a survivor. You have to be a recovered either addiction or PTSD uh, to take that training and, and go back. and And I find in that wise elder uh, facilitator mode when I'm working with someone and they start sharing a, a story and they start sharing a, a trauma and they start sharing feelings and and problems or whatever. And the, the best thing I can do is, is listen, hold space, and then answer. And, and if it's true, and say, me too. And that's powerful for them to realize they're not alone. And, and I encourage them, you know, me too, different circumstances, different places, but I had the same thing happen to me you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And you're perfectly normal. It's just hopefully you're getting care and getting well earlier than I did. That's, yeah, that's, that's really cool, Tim. I got to tell you. And I want to even <clears throat> just share a thought that I've had recently. And I don't, this isn't supposed to be morbid because it's not that way, but it's just really, I think it's a good visualization of how this identity stuff is. When you think about your gravestone, like, can you imagine all the achievements being on your gravestone, all the different jobs, all the schools, all that stuff? That's not what's put on there. Nope. It's, it's father, husband, grandpa. That's what matters. All this other stuff that we do, it's important but it shouldn't be our identity. You have to have some passion for it to do it well, but at the, at the end of the day, you're just like anybody else who's making a living. You're trading time for money. And if you can get by with less money, if you can have more time to do things that matter, and hopefully it's not too late. And, and I thank God it's never too late that I can't go back and do things better, uh, but I can be, better as a grandfather and, and as a role model and as a, uh, as a, a peer supporter for the, the folks that I get to help out and um, help them understand that, uh, you know, peace is, is being yourself and, and staying in the moment. So if, if you're on duty, you got to be in the moment and do the best job you can. But when you're off duty, take care of yourself and do something that brings you relaxation and joy and, and, uh, try to be well for the next day you have to go back. 
I mean, you have, you know, there was a point in time where you lost your purpose, but you have certainly gained that back with all the work you're doing to help others. And, and I, I think that is absolutely healthy. And I know that's, I don't know exactly what my purpose is going to be, but I know it's, I wanted to be, be along that same kind of line. I just don't know what that is yet, but you know, I really would actually like for you to go kind of a little bit more depth in depth with your finally home farm and just how it works, what you've seen, just, you know, expand on that a little bit more if you don't mind, because it is, I mean, it's just a powerful place. Well, I, uh, when you talk about purpose, you're right. I lost my purpose, but it was not a healthy purpose. Um, and then I, I, I praise God because I didn't plan any of this, none of this. I didn't even think about retirement. I, I was going to, you know, I was going to wear turnout gear the rest of my life and then you know, <laughs> just die. <laughs> but, uh, in, in, in losing that purpose and struggling for a while, uh, you know, it combined this, this love I've had of horses since I was a kid. And then thank God for my wife who agreed to, uh, I took her on a trail ride and she was hooked uh, before we got married. Uh, so I have these amazing animals, you know, right here at home and um, learning how to be like them you know, literally is, is a lesson that they're a big walking barometer of your feelings and they help you ground. And so uh, the, the people that I'm certified by uh, is called a gala uh, equine assisted growth and learning association. And all of the work is groundwork. And uh, most of the time, the horse has no controls on it. You're looking at one-on-one -on -one between a, a warrior and a horse in a, a pen or an enclosure. And the horse is free to uh, feel what's going on and connect if it wants to. It does want to because horses are hardwired for connection. They're herd animals. There's safety in the herd. Uh, the thing is, humans are too. Humans are herd animals, but when uh, we're suffering trauma, we isolate, we hide, we deny, we quit seeing friends, um, we uh, gain addictions uh, to everything from, from gaming to gambling to substances, et cetera, to numb that feeling. And then you know, part of that's shame uh, because we don't want people to know that we're hurting, so we'll just pretend everything's fine. If we do have to go out, it's all smiles. So the horses identify that and kind of call that out. And we actually work with someone. Uh, we work with a mental health provider. If they don't have one when they come out, we have some in the community that we refer them to, a couple that specialize in first responders. And uh, we've made connections with Columbus VA and working now to build a relationship with the Dayton VA. Uh, Dayton Vet Center in Kettering has been a great partner. And it's a combination of uh, the professional mental health care, because I'm, I'm, I'm not a counselor, but I am a survivor, and, and I've had a, a lot of training in order to, to coach, mentor, and, and, and help folks. And I use a lot of what we use at Save a Warrior, and I refer a lot of people to Save a Warrior if I feel they're that stuck. But if they're not, I try to coach them along in multiple sessions on some of the learning. I love teaching warrior meditation. I actually have a warrior coming tomorrow that's going to learn warrior meditation in the barn with horses. And um, so most of that is that, you know, ground connection. 
Uh, and then um, we also do some with groups. I've had some groups out. Uh, actually, the staff of our veteran service office came out for an afternoon and kind of a team building retreat. But even then, still, yeah, different people approaching horses and getting different reactions. And, uh, you know, why doesn't the horse like me? So the horse likes you fine. He's just feeling your energy. And so we, we got an opportunity to coach through that. And um, then a few years ago, uh, I was approached by some other folks. We started a, a weekly uh, riding group. We're not riding right now because we don't have an indoor arena locally uh, or uh, and it's too dark. But that's become a weekly gathering of a, a herd of people with a herd of horses. And it's not about the horses. It's it's that's the catalyst that gets these people together. But it's about the community because all of them are working on a healing journey. Several of them are Sable Warrior alumni that live locally that we've contacted uh, through that program. And they're supporting each other uh, in, in a safe place. And, and the horses just add so much value to that because they, they get a little tune up every week on how to be grounded, how to be mindful, how to be more like the horse. And then the, uh, again, I, I was thinking I'll, I'll help a few people in my barn when this first started. Um, but uh, then uh, PBJ in Licking County asked me to uh, also serve veterans. That's where Save a Warrior originally came, came, uh, came about. And we have a, a farm in Southern Green County that hosts the riding group when, when it's uh, in the better weather and, and uh, longer days. Uh, Save a Warrior moved to Highland County and I found another farm down there where we do the equine experience for female cohorts now. And, and they're just wonderful. And then uh, last summer I was contacted by uh, Joseph House, which is an addiction treatment center in Cincinnati for veterans recovering. And they wanted to bring a group out to do an equine experience, but it was too far to come to my place north of Xenia. So I found another farm um, at the southern edge of the county. Uh, it's a therapeutic riding program, mainly for children. Uh, got together with them and Joseph House explained what we were looking to do and they just jumped on board completely. So we finished that group, incredibly successful. Uh, big turnaround in a lot of the folks, learning to connect, learning to be open, learning to be honest. Um, learning to be mindful. And uh, we're planning on starting uh, not only another group from Joseph House, but uh, that, that place is called uh, Therapeutic Writing Institute. They call it TRI. TRI has had so much interest from other veterans that we may start a second group of veterans from the community of what they call WISH, Warriors and Step With Horses. And uh, I, I sometimes sit back and, and, and it's not a lot of work. Um, you know, one morning a week, I drive down there and maybe another morning a week I have a warrior here and maybe two right now I have two people in individual sessions and my wife God bless her takes care of the finances and uh, the fundraising has been almost uh, effortless I, I so many people are supporting what we do and um, we don't get paid uh, I'm blessed that you know between uh, my state pension and my military pension I don't need to be paid so a big piece of, of my wellness is, uh, is you know, I'm, I'm on a mission from God. That's, it's, it's, uh, I'm not retired or repurposed. And, uh, I didn't and expect a Blues Brothers quote. <laughs> That's a great movie. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's true. I just, I didn't plan any of this. And every time a new door opens and something else connects, it's, it's pretty amazing. 
that, that's that's great tremendous um wow where where can um our viewers listeners where can they uh, actually find more information about finally home farm well our website is www.finallyhomefarm.net and there's a, a description and photos there's a link there to email me uh uh, or call me. I think my phone number is on there. I, I just have one phone. Yeah. Somebody said, I've, I've never seen a therapist give out their personal phone number. I said, well, I'm not a therapist and it's the only phone I've got. So I, I might turn it off at night, but you're welcome to call if you need to uh, have a question or whatever. And uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Finally Home Farm. Um, there's another one that's an animal rescue, I think in North Carolina, it's got the same name. Um, and then um, uh, EGALA, E-A-G-A-L-A dot org is the uh, program that we're certified by. And there's lots, there's a whole tab there for veterans. Uh, they're expanding uh, because of the need and the effectiveness of this uh, uh, model of therapy. They're expanding their, uh, their programming and they offer a uh, military designated special certification for people with the background and experience, which we have here at Finally Home Farm. And PBJ Connections in Licking County has that also. Uh, so you, you can look on there and uh, see more and there's video testimonials and some of that stuff. Awesome, awesome. Um, <clears throat> I, I'll just say it just real quick. Um, there's something about these horses. Um, them being calm, you being calm, it just opens up opportunities to go places that are sometimes hard to go and i know everybody knows the traditional type of therapies and just this is a alternative to that or and it can be actually depending on who you're working with it can be part of it but it um it's just different but it's a good different and it's something that i think our community actually appreciates i mean there's something just about a a 900 pound horse just hanging out with you that is just you know kind of humbles you well and there's some science that says you know that huge heart they have that their their heartbeat being slow and you being close to them and deep breathing and mindfulness get out of your head that it will actually reduce your heart rate and blood pressure and and you you'll feel better physically and then that connection, the strength of that connection. Imagine if you had a friend who has no ego, totally accepting, won't judge you, has this huge heart, which will help calm you, and they're standing right beside you. That's that's what a horse does. That's and, what you do too. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> but um, the other piece of that is the in this therapy model uh, on the ground, we do a lot of stuff. We're not teaching horsemanship. We're not cleaning hooves or haltering, but um, we might be, uh, there's a particular exercise where we set up some obstacles and, and work with the horse through it and talk about what we're doing. There's another where we might brush the horse, but there's a metaphor and a purpose behind it. This is all metaphors, but it's act active. I'm not sitting in a chair in an office in a typical clinical session. And that's important, but that's not necessarily the only way to find some peace and wellness. I, I want to partner with those folks when when possible. I want the mental health provider to be there in the barn for when breakthroughs happen. 
uh, but um, it, it works because there's a physical uh, experiential memory that goes with it. And then as I tell people now, remember how you got to that place of calmness today and try that tomorrow without having the horse in your house because you did it you through breathing through mindfulness through awareness uh, meditation or whatever uh, you know you you let go and as, as my wife always says let go let god uh, and bring you to that point of just i'm here right here right now that's the way the horse lives perfect yeah, thanks for sharing all this. Thanks for sharing your, you know, your Tuesday evening when we're recording this. Um, I'm fortunate that you're kind of in my backyard or I'm in your backyard, however you want to look at it. Um, but for everybody out there, hopefully there's another place near you where you can share this experience as well. And uh, uh, yeah, you, I've got links on my website where Egala has a find a program. Uh, EGALA programs are nationwide, um, and the ones that specialize in veterans are going to be really good with first responders because it's the same kind of psyche and the same stigmatism. And uh, you can find programs, or you can contact me, and I'll help you find one if you're not in Southwest Ohio. Yes, and uh, I'll make sure to put your website and uh, EGALA's website on uh, the little link for fire engineering. But with that, I, I just want to thank you um, just for everything for being there for uh, me and then just, you know, sharing your story, um, being honest, open and willing and, and sharing this with uh, all the listeners and viewers. Well, I got to thank you for the invitation. And as I like to say, uh, for, for your thanks, you're worth it. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> That's, I, I built, need that a lot of times. We built this for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you hang out with Tim, you're going to hear a lot of Save a Warrior lingo, which <laughs> I love. And so we, we talk differently. Yeah, that barn you were in was not built for this therapy program. I'll tell you that. Uh, it, it was uh, it's something totally different now. Yes. All right. Well, Tim, with that, I'll let you go. Have a good night. Right. And uh, thank you, you once again. God bless thank you. you. Thanks, Take Tim. Care. Bye.